Well, here we are in person at the four o'clock, apart from me. So I am so <laughs> sorry that I can't be with you. Our car has broken down. We are far from home. This is 1.30 on Sunday afternoon, just trying to get a talk on film uh, for the four o'clock today. Uh, I hope you've had a fantastic day and better than us. Uh, but uh, here we go. And this is our uh, look at Reset. Now, uh, back about four, four years ago, Joe and I went for a walk. And it was a southwest coastal path walk. And it was a walk that had every kind of drama. So to start with, as we're walking along, Joe suddenly points down the cliff to a rock pool and says, oh, look, there's some naked people there. And uh, we, we stopped to look, you know, very briefly, obviously. Uh, and then immediately after that, and Joe says I was distracted, but I deny that. Uh, I put my foot down a hole. And uh, as I put my foot down a hole, I fell awkwardly and I heard the bone snap like that. And, uh, and if that wasn't enough, while I was rolling around on the floor in a fetal position, clutching my leg, uh, Joe was trying to ring the emergency services and there was no uh, signal at all. So she had to climb really high to get a signal at all. And then if that wasn't enough, we uh, waited for uh, rescuers to come and they came, but it was, it was just inaccessible. And so in the end, uh, if that wasn't enough, they sent a helicopter and um, uh, so I ended up being strapped to a winch and being taken off the cliff and I was high on morphine at the same time. Honestly, that is a great combination if you, uh, if you want an exciting day out to be dangling from a helicopter over the open sea high on morphine. Uh, I can recommend that actually. That was the best part of the day. Uh, and if that wasn't enough, when we landed, we seemed to be still some far way off from... Uh, from the ambulance we landed in a field and these poor guys had to carry me over fields and 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 sort of hand me over hedges and walls got to the ambulance got to Penzance hospital and if that wasn't enough uh, there were lots of people in A&E in Penzance who were dressed as pirates obviously and uh, they had been trying to break the record for the number of pirates in Penzance on that day it was August bank holiday and uh, quite a lot of them had done themselves an injury and so I had to wait a long time to get my leg seen to. Eventually they put a plaster cast on it and uh, and I went home. And if that wasn't enough, the cast had to be cut off a few days later because I uh, developed a blood clot. So every, every bone break has a story. And if you've broken any bones, you'll have stories that go along with that. And healing takes some time. And uh, healing a bone only works right if it's held in true alignment by a splint or a cast. If a bone has started to fuse together, but um, set awkwardly, a doctor will probably re-break or reset the bone in order for the shape of your body to be right and for you to be able to move freely in the future. And you may have had this, I don't know, uh, if you've broken a bone and the doctor has said to you, look, I'm going to have to break your bone again and you thought she might be joking, but it is at that point the kindest and the right thing to do. Now, uh, I'm going to read you an encounter that Jesus has with uh, someone in John chapter 3. And if you've got your Bibles, do open them or turn them on. And uh, what Jesus is doing uh, in John chapter 3 is to re-break a bone in order to reset it properly. And I think God is offering us the same thing. 
uh, as individuals and as a church as we slowly make our way out of the pandemic. Over a number of weeks, we're going to be thinking about resetting, resetting with God, resetting with the scriptures and so on, and uh, just getting ourselves right again. And a reset involves two parts. It involves the re-break, as I've said, and the realignment. So let's have a look at John chapter 3, where Jesus meets this man called Nicodemus. Uh, Verse 1. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. So Nicodemus is a figure of authority. He's a man of substance. He's a leading member of the establishment. He's very highly respected. And as you can kind of see later, and some commentators say, that he is the most prominent teacher in Israel. Verse 2 says Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. He wants to meet at night because he wants to meet in secret. Uh, he's, he's nervous about this meeting, it seems. But as we'll see, he is actually genuinely seeking truth. And he says this, Rabbi, we know, we know. So again, he's coming as a member of the establishment. As he says, we know. Uh, and he says, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God. For no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. So he's he's really acknowledging something here. He's acknowledging that Jesus is from God and that God is with him. I.e. he's a prophet who walks in the spirit and he walks in the power of the spirit and can can do the powerful God stuff. He can see basically that there's something really good going on. But as we see uh, in a moment, he can't see clearly who Jesus is or what or what this means. Verse 3, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Very truly I tell you, he says, and you know when Jesus says that, he's, he's basically saying, look, I'm serious. Look at me in the eyes. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Jesus is being deliberately disruptive here. He's just come in chapter 2 from driving people out of the temple with a whip that he has made. So he may be in a disruptive mood. And he's saying, if you want to get anywhere near God's kingdom, you need radical disruption. You need to be born again. You need to be born from above. It means the same thing. The word anothen means born again or born from above, born from heaven, from God's dimension in the world. So Jesus is saying, coming out of your mother's womb is one thing, but you need a new life and identity which comes from heaven if you're going to get in on God's kingdom, if you're going to be initiated into God's kingdom. So how does Nicodemus respond? Well, for Israel's preeminent teacher, he's not that quick to catch on. Verse 4, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. So Nicodemus has got his basic biology right, but his theology is a little off. And although, as I've said, there is a double meaning, being born again and being born from above, Nicodemus surely takes the earthbound route at this point. In fact, the whole conversation happens between these two men who have entirely different grids One has an earthly grid, and that is Nicodemus, and one has a heavenly grid and and a way of seeing things. Essentially, you've got a man, a human being, talking with the heavenly man. And that's why they talk like this. 
So Nicodemus has grown up in a strong tradition. He has habits of learning and conduct and custom and speech and thought and feeling. And he's really perplexed at how he can break away from all of that and begin again, be born again. But what Jesus is saying is that this can't be done by our own effort alone. A radical new start from above is needed. So this is really perplexing for Nicodemus. And so Jesus elaborates. I guess Jesus can see the confusion on his face as he asks these questions. So verse 5. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you. Again, he's looking in the eyes and saying, I'm serious here. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Unless they're born of water and the spirit. So Jesus is elaborating on what it means to be born again. And it's actually a two-step process. Born of water and born of the spirit. So born of water first. Everyone knew at the time what Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, was doing. He, people were coming out to the desert and uh, he was baptizing them, immersing them in water. And, uh, and what Jesus is saying is that Nicodemus needs to submit himself to John's revival, which is an immersion into repentance. John always called it a baptism for repentance or into repentance. Now, repentance is the re-breaking. It's the separating ourselves from ways of life and habits and attitudes which cause us to be at variance with what God wants. So Nicodemus's life so far, so far in many ways has been good, but he approaches everything with earthly wisdom and earthly power. And this has caused him eventually to become so misaligned with God that when God's only son stands in front of him, he really can't understand anything that Jesus is saying to him. So he needs a re-breaking, a turning away, a letting go, a dying to his, his own and old wisdom and traditions. And that's being born of water. So you'll have said some of these things when you were baptised. Uh, and uh, things like, I resist the devil, I renounce evil, I repent of my sins. And in ancient baptism rites, uh, what would have happened is that people would have faced, faced the West, which was uh, essentially the land of darkness. It's the land of where, where um, uh, the sun set. And, and they would resist and renounce and repent of these things because they didn't want any of that stuff in their life anymore. And uh, even in some, uh, sometimes they, they used to spit in that direction to make clear that, that they wanted nothing doing with the, that, what had been part of their lives up to that point. And then they would turn towards the east, the land of the rising sun and, uh, and the risen sun and uh, say, I turn to Christ and so on. So repentance is a really uh, important part of being born again. But Jesus then says, something more is also needed. And in fact, John the Baptist knew this. He knew that Jesus was coming. And John always used to contrast what he could do for others through baptism with water, which would be the re-breaking, the letting go, and what his successor Jesus would do with baptism or immersion in the Holy Spirit and with fire, as he said. Jesus would immerse people in the Spirit of God which would then regenerate them, would, would cause them to be born again and make it possible for a human being to, to live filled with God's Spirit.
empowering them to live in really close alignment with God's ways. And that's being born of the Spirit. So being born again with water and born again with the Spirit. It's a two-stage process. Verse 6, Jesus just explains a little more. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. So just as water can't rise above its source, neither can life. So if the source of life is flesh, merely natural, says Jesus, it remains earthbound, and that's what we can see in Nicodemus. If the source of life is the Spirit of God, then the supernatural presence and power of God will be obvious in someone's life. And, and you'll see the transformation in people's life. And, you, and I hope you've seen that in your own life, and you'll see that in your fellow brothers and sisters. Verse 7, Jesus goes on and says, You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again, although Nicodemus is. And then he goes on to say, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So Jesus says to him, Look, you shouldn't be surprised. God is always making all things new. And you should know that you can't keep doing the same old, same old and get different results. The organizational theorist Arthur Jones, who worked for Procter & Gamble, he, he, was, he had a famous saying, which was, all organizations are perfectly designed to get the results that they get. And so the organization of religion at the time of Nicodemus was getting uh, the results. Uh, it was perfectly designed to get the results that they got, which was that they didn't recognize Jesus when he came. And they, uh, and they needed to be born again of water and of the Spirit. So Nicodemus's tradition, uh, the results they had were an inability to see or enter God's kingdom or to recognize Jesus as the king of the kingdom. And here's the last verse. We'll leave it on one of Nicodemus's questions where Nicodemus says, how can this be? Nicodemus asks. And Jesus goes on to respond, look, you are Israel's teacher and you don't know. Essentially he's saying, what is wrong with you? So it's, it's a really uh, extraordinary conversation. Jesus being disruptive, Nicodemus being uh, incomprehending, and the two of them talking like this and not really meeting. Um, let's see what this conversation might mean for you and me. So at its most basic, this conversation about being born again is about how you become a Christian. So you can have lots of good intentions, you can have some great spiritual habits, you can enjoy being part of the Christian community, but without the radical disruption of being born again of water and the Spirit, Jesus says you can't get in on God's kingdom. So he's saying the thing that you can do for yourself is to repent, to in cooperation with God, let, let God the doctor re-break uh, the bone so that you can be set right and the thing you can't do for yourself at all is to be born again from above from heaven but repentance puts you in the best place to receive the gift of the spirit coming to live within you and it's a glorious thing and if you have never done that or you realize that you have never been born again then I would encourage you urge you ask you to do it today very simple. You come, you come to Jesus. You repent of your sins. You turn away from all those things that you know to be wrong and that have 
misaligned you with God's purposes. And you, and you uh, put out your hands and you just receive uh, his forgiveness and his Holy Spirit, his presence, and he comes and fills you. That was my experience. That's been many people's experience. And if that's you, I urge you to do it today. Second thing I want to say, uh, for most of us here, it also presents us with a model, this conversation, as how to reset as individual Christians and as church communities. It presents us with a moment of crisis, a moment of disruption, particularly as we, uh, we pray we are coming towards the end of uh, lockdown and the pandemic and so on. It presents us with a moment of crisis and disruption. See, as, I- as individuals over time, and I really know this, we can get into habits and ways of being that are not aligned with God's ways, but in fact more aligned with the way the world is. And so like deep hunger for God and love for Jesus can grow cold as we let subtle habits of the world take hold. Things like consumerism or self-comforting and so on. We stop taking risks for Jesus. We slip into habits with our money, with our sex lives, with our work lives, which when we, when we think about it, we know put out the fire of our love for God and we just start to drift. And when God shows up, when we drift, we fail to recognise him, just as Nicodemus did. We recognise something, but we don't really get it. And at that moment, we need to be born again again of water and the Spirit through repentance and through power from on high. So, you know, just today, at this particular point in our history, after this really extraordinary and often terrible last year, is that where you are? Do you need God? in a fresh way? Do you need a reset at the end of lockdown or as we ease out of lockdown? Do you know that you need to be aligned with heaven's priorities again? So that's true of individuals but it's also true of church communities and the church in this country as a whole. Going through lockdown has highlighted what's strong and weak in our life together with God. And a network, we have lots of activity, lots of community, lots of participation, excellent things. But it's good to ask ourselves whether we are more in love with Jesus at the end of lockdown than at the beginning, both as individuals and as a community. Do we as a community need a reset, a renewal, a revival? Do we need to refocus on Jesus to simply let some of the things, let some things fall away and reset ourselves as a community in love with Christ? I think so. If we are able to keep the main thing the main thing, keep Jesus at the centre, then the way we shape ourselves for the future will have the strongest possible foundations and we are going to need to reshape ourselves uh, for for our own sake, but also uh, for the sake of the community we serve. But reset always starts with individuals. It starts with you and it starts with me. And as individuals, we get reset when we hear Jesus say to us again, you must be born again, or you must be born again again, of water and the Spirit, born again through repentance and the grace of God. Let me just say a word about repentance, because repentance has often had a bad press. It sounds like a shouty word. It sounds like Judge, uh, judgmentalism. 
But as as St. Paul rightly recognised when he wrote to the Roman Christians, he says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's the kindness of God that leads us into an accurate assessment of our own lives, of our own souls, of where we are with God. It's the kindness of God that leads us to a good judgment, a good discernment of where we're at. It's the kindness of God that leads us into asking ourselves questions like, maybe even just simply, on a scale of 1 to 10, how in love with Jesus am I? Do I want to grow in love with him more? And if you're like me, you'll say, yes, that's what, that's what I need. We need both parts of being born again, born again of water and repentance and born again of the Spirit, the power of God falling on us from on high. Where do we start? What can we do as we seek this kind of renewal and use this conversation with Nicodemus as a model for how we can move forward? Well, I just want to suggest two simple questions as I finish. Because there are things we can do. There are things, you know, obviously we can't do. We can't pour out the Holy Spirit. And we long that God in his mercy will do that with greater power and greater abundance upon us as a community and upon our city. But there are simple things that we can do and simple questions we can ask. So here's a couple. Question one. What one thing could I stop doing which would increase my love for Jesus? What one thing? I mean, it may be a bad thing, maybe a good thing, whatever. But is there something, as you talk with Jesus, that would be good to stop in order to increase your love for Christ? That's the re-breaking. It's letting something go. It's letting uh, something that causes you to move away from God. Just letting it go. Question two is obviously... Uh, goes alongside it. What one thing could I start doing which would increase my love for Jesus? What one thing could I start doing which would increase my love for Jesus? And what you're doing there is you're, is you're putting in place a heavenly prioritizing, saying, look, I'm going to put this first because I want to grow in love for Christ. What one thing could I stop? What one thing could I start? Let's just take a moment of quiet as you ponder those questions and uh, and then I'll pray. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would lead us into a really accurate assessment of our own hearts right now at this point in our lives and at this point in our life together holy spirit help us to see ourselves as you see us help us to hear your voice speaking to us saying you must be born again And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and show us what we need to know. Lead us in your ways. Fill us with your presence and your power. We need you. We need you, Heavenly Father. Come and renew us 
and revive us in our day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, I'm so sorry not to be with you, but uh, I pray that you will continue now uh, to, to talk with the Lord and receive the Holy Spirit. God bless.